When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. It is spooky October on Supernatural Girls, and we have a fabulous guest for everybody tonight. She's one of our very favorite people, extremely knowledgeable, extremely talented. Katrina Rasbold is with us. We're going to bring her on in just a few minutes, but first, PK's with us, too. PK, how you doing? Absolutely fabulous. Getting better every day. Oh, right. oh so good to hear that. Completion. <laughs> <laughs> Complete recovery, right? You're doing so much well, better, like and everybody's so. so happy. Yeah, everybody's oh, been you know, I know so I concerned <laughs> about you. Yeah. So well, you sound great, and it's a pleasure to have you back with us, as you know. We're oh, very happy you, to sweetheart. have you here. I'm happy to be back. I'll tell you, there's nothing worse than being down, as our guest tonight also knows. This has been a strange year for everybody, I think. But it's a universal seven year. In seven, we have secrets, mistakes, things come about. It's a lot of fantasy all going on at the same time. Yikes. (laughs) But... But going yep. into November, you, you had good things to say about November. Well, November deals with secrets, but it also deals with the spiritual, and it gives us opportunity to really get involved with what's going on. We get a sneak preview of what's going on next year, this from October through November. And we've got a lot of things that are ongoing, and right now, November is just about finished, so we've had a chance to line up a lot of things, getting ready for the coming month of December, which is all about our money, coming and going, oh. but hopefully oh. coming. Yeah, really. That's we don't part. like to hear that going part. <laughs> yeah, gonna, yeah. It's going to come in one hand and out the other because of the holidays, but nonetheless, at least it'll be less painless. Less, less painful, painful, I, I hope. Say. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that wasn't a Freudian slip. Yeah. Oh goodness. And we were just talking. Yeah, really. We're just talking a little bit off air about the upcoming midterms and 
there's been some concern we've heard from a number of people mm-hmm. from some of our astrologer friends that have been on the show that there might be some event that occurs that prevents us from actually going through with the midterms. But as you were saying, you don't see that. I don't either. I think we're going to have them. No. Fingers crossed. So, yeah, we'll have our election. Yeah, I think we'll have the good, the bad, the ugly. We're going to have some things happen that we're not going to like. And unfortunately, I just pray to God that people don't become hostile when they don't get what they want. We're all doing the best we can to try to build this up and make it a better year than what we've had. And if everyone just pitches in to go forward instead of screaming about what they don't have, we'll have a lot if everybody just does a little bit. Makes sense. Yeah, I'm looking forward to a better a better time for all of us. So, yeah, well, that's that's good. We have some good things to look forward to. And I also wanted to tell everybody again about our homepage, supernaturalgirls.com, where we have a lot of different remedies, supplements. You know I'm a, a big in favor of the liquid supplements because I've had it with pills just can't do those pills anymore. I used to do handfuls of pills when I was younger, but not anymore. So you they have swallow. liquids. <laughs> now, I can't swallow the darn things. They just sit there and aggravate That's me. Sure. So, anyways, these liquids are on our homepage. They're high quality. Uh, I use them myself. I think they're great, and they're offering a discount. So you'll see if you use Supernatural Girls. In the coupon area on the order page, you will get a discount with those all of those supplements. And the other thing I wanted to mention, remember we had Dr. Weber from Germany on the show a while back. Mm-hmm. He was the, True. Remember, he was fascinating, brilliant man. He was the inventor of a number of laser devices, some of them for home use. And one of them was the laser watch, Spectra Plus, and then the regular uh, spectra and <clears throat> he has invented a new one he has a new i call it a watch only because it you wear it on your wrist it's not a watch it's a laser device and all of the information is also on our website you can click on it it'll bring you to a whole bunch of information about how this watch works but the new one that he has is phenomenal and it's seven times more powerful than the last one. So I also have uh, the Spectra Plus, which I will be selling. It's under warranty. If anybody's interested in it, it's going to be about half price. So if you do want it and, and you did, couldn't afford the full price last time around, just contact me. My email's on the website, and I'll be happy to give you all the information on it. And you can decide if it's for you. I swear by this thing. And as you know, I've had an autoimmune condition for many years. And this Weber laser watch has made all the difference in the world. So very interested in using the new one. But in the meantime, I don't need two of them. So if somebody wants to use it and give it a try, just uh, just send me an email. I'll be happy to discuss this with you and see if it's right for you. So, anyways, but Dr. Weber's amazing. I just wish that more people had access to his IV laser technology. Now, that one, that's something that has to be done in a clinic setting. 
But it actually, as he explained it to us that night on the show, it actually cleanses your whole bloodstream with laser light. And so you have to have, obviously, a doctor or an IV nurse to be able to administer this. But that's what's going through your veins is laser light, and it makes enormous changes. Now, I've talked to some people with Lyme disease that have gone up to the New Hampshire clinic and had treatment or out to the California clinic and had treatment, and they say it is unbelievable. You walk out of there after one treatment, and you are a new person. So I'm just hoping in talking with Dr. Weber and his wife that they will be doing more uh more informational uh, kinds of things for some of the doctors and clinicians here so that they can bring these devices to the United States. We already have some of them here, but they're just, this is the leading edge. And it's so much better because it's an actual treatment that produces a cure. And that's what medicine should be. Instead of all these pills, all these side effects, and all this management of symptoms, so... Anyhow, I'll keep you posted, everybody, on the progress with Dr. Weber and what he is up to with his latest inventions. Go to our website, and you'll find a lot of information right there. So, tonight, oh, my goodness, Sam Hain is almost upon us. Yes, it is. And we have expert and author Katrina Rasbold. And now Katrina we love Katrina. She's amazing. She's entertaining. She's informative. She has provided insightful, accurate, and helpful life path consultations for clients for over 30 years. She's worked with teachers and mentors all over the world, including three years of training in England and two years of practice in the Marianas Islands. Now, she's a great instructor. She offers classes. She does speaking engagements and tailors everything to fit the needs of her students and clients. She's a professional life coach who holds a Ph.D. in religion with a minor in psychology. And I have to stop and tell you here, Katrina is one of the most insightful people I know when it comes to psychology. She is one of the best Now, she and her husband, Eric, are co-creators of CUSP, which is Climbing Up the Spiritual Pathway, and that is a program designed to manifest positive, long-term life changes by following the ancient agricultural cycles throughout the year. Now, CUSP has touched the lives of literally thousands of people since its inception in 1997, and is practiced as a life pattern and spiritual path all over the United States and in other countries as well. Now, if that's not enough, Katrina has written 37 books. They are all available on Amazon.com. Eleven of those books she wrote with her husband, Eric. And, of course, we have our favorites, don't we, PK? The Sacred Art of Ruharia. Oh, my God. Love that one. Crossroads of Conjure, great book. My personal favorite, Uncrossing, and the Seven Sisters of Avalon series. And Katrina, welcome to the show. So glad to have you here. Thank you. I'm so glad to be back with my two buddies. I miss you guys so much. It's great to hear your voices. Oh, well, thank you for coming on the show. We know you're not quite feeling all that well, but you uh, decided to come on anyways. And we're so happy that you're here and glad that you're feeling better so thank you, thank you, thank you. 
And, you know, we are, we're just sitting at your feet tonight because we want to know anything that you want to talk about. I mean, Sam Hain, is this the time for spells because the veil is so thin? Uh, talk to us about all this stuff. Sam Hain, spell work, everything. We want, to, we well, want know, it all tonight. Any time is a great time for spells. It's just got to do with when different ones are going to be more powerful and the way that, uh, the way we, we, uh, speak of this time of year is Samhain. Uh, it's uh, a uh, not. It's not a phonetic word. It looks like it should be Samhain, and boy, do I wish it were. It'd make my life easier. But it's pronounced <laughs> Samhain, and it's um, it's where Halloween derives from, and it's a time of closure. That's its primary function. You mentioned cusp, and in cusp, what we do is. We build things in our lives and manifest things in our lives every year, but we also believe in the psychological benefit of rest. And in our society, what we tend to do is to force ourselves to stay productive and motivated and on every month of the year, every week of the year, just push, 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 get more, 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 more. And in the ancient times, the ancient agricultural calendars, Salon was the time that we began our time of rest. We put the fields to bed and we rested. And it's not as though there's nothing to do. Of course, there's still livestock to tend and things like that. But the agricultural part of the year has finished. And so at Salon, we begin six weeks of ourselves, just like the fields, being fallow and quiet and still as we go into the dark of the year. And that's why it's such a valuable time is it tells us don't be at full tilt all the time. Take some time to rest. And a lot of people like myself need something like, I don't know, COVID to get us to stop moving and stop doing things and and to rest our bodies, rest our spirits, rest our minds. You know, some people will break a leg or end up with uh, mm-hmm. some type of illness that puts them in the bed so that they have to rest because otherwise they won't stop. And so Salon is a that's, lovely time of yeah. closures and, and of rest. That's so helpful to hear. And I think especially for women, we're all multitasker, crazy people like that, and, and doing too much, so there is no rest time. So this is a nice reminder for all of us, male and female. You know, it is. If we don't rest, our bodies are into it. Yes. Our bodies will make us rest if we don't rest. And then it's usually not on our terms. And Samhain is also a time that we get in touch with those who have passed. You know, you mentioned the veil being thin right now. I find that amazing that we refer to that distance between ourselves and those who have passed and the other other realms of, of existence as a veil you know, we don't call it a the brick wall is thin at this time. It's that the veil <laughs> is thin. So it's, it's always accessible. It's always there. But, boy, at Samhain, there's just that sense of nearness of those who have gone before. And many cultures actually honor this time as, as times to get in touch with our ancestors and our loved ones mm-hmm. and to feel their presence and their wisdom and their protection so it's a very sacred time, and so sure, it's a great time for spell work, great time for divination, great time for anything where you need to see beyond that veil or that brick wall or whatever it is for you. 
That's wonderful. I'm I'm, I'm ready to honor that and just rest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds perfect, delightful. So, in terms of now, you're a master spell worker. I mean, obviously, people can contact you to mm-hmm. uh, to have spells done, which is really fantastic. Now. I know I've already get I'm getting text messages here. How do I get a hold of Katrina? What is the best way to reach you? <laughs> Doesn't you know, take long for people recently, to do that. Speaking of endings, uh, my husband and I recently retired or semi-retired and closed our storefront business. And we loved Crossroads. It was a wonderful store. It served people for years in several incarnations. And uh, we took all of our business online. We always have had an online presence, but now everything is done online. And uh, that's at crossroadsoccult.com. And so that is where I book all of my sessions, all of my spell work, um, any cleansings that I'm doing or anything like that all go through that website. And if someone sends uh, an email to that through that website, it's going to go directly to me. So that's the best place to do it. Okay. Oh, sounds great. Yeah. And and you also have items for sale, that beautiful candles. And we do. Like, what you else know, do you have for sale there? Oh, so many things. Because what Eric and I specialize in are handmade magical products. We don't – a lot of people have said, well, why don't you have tarot cards and things like that on your website? It's because you can you can get those anywhere. And we like to feature the items that we specifically make – we have uh, probably, I would guess, 45 or 50 different kinds of incenses that Eric makes, and we make uh, scented sprays that are magically empowered. We do hoodoo products like um, mojo bags and different washes and dirts. We collect our own graveyard dirt, all different sorts of things used for, for traditional folk magic spell work we sell on our website, and we physically touch every single item and make the items ourselves. And so they're very dear to us. We haven't really varied a a lot in our inventory, our online inventory for a long time, because what we have there works. It's what we personally use for our magic. And that's what we like to bring to the world is what works for us. What can we vouch for? And Mm -hmm. so that's what we do. We like to stay very, uh, we like to put a bit of integrity into our work and to know that we're giving somebody our best effort and what we specialize in. So that's what's on our website. And as you said, there's candles for almost every purpose. There are um, different baths and soaps and just all sorts of lovely things on there. Yeah, and your store was beautiful because I remember when you did have the store and you posted photographs mm-hmm. of it on your website. It was stunning. I mean, mm-hmm. just really beautiful, everything that you had in there, <clears throat> the way it was displayed. It was like art, just beautiful, beautifully done. What we, so, really, what we really wanted when we started our store was to have a place that was a magical home. And what we noticed is that in a lot of witch stores and a lot of metaphysical stores, there's nowhere to sit down. And it's as though they want you to come in and shop and leave. And we wanted people, when we started our store, to be able to come in and sit and enjoy the energy, to talk with one another, to share experiences, and to really build a community. And so that was our emphasis. And I was very lucky to have a wonderful woman named Debbie Walker, who is a a 
Mixed Aging Professional, who was able to set up our store in the most beautiful arrangement. And she just knew how every single item needed to be staged so that people could see it easily and enjoy it. And we just, we loved our store. We really did. But we're old and we need to <laughs> take some time to, <laughs> to make it a little easier. Yeah, it was just right. time. And, and that's one of the most important things about Salon, honestly, is to be able to tune into what the cycles of the year are telling you. And our, our shop was very successful. We were very thrilled to do what we did, but we could feel that it was time that it was done, that it had run its, its course. It's time to do something different in our lives. Our children were all grown. Now we have six, and they're all adults oh out there in the world <laughs> doing their own thing. And so we felt we wanted to travel, and it was just time to, for a, a major change. And that's what that turned out to be, and we loved what we did while we did it. And now it's time to do something different. So we're, and it allows me more time to have wonderful interviews with fantastic hosts and to write Yay. more books. And right. I really just love that, that change that's coming. So that's another thing that we get to celebrate about Salon is that not all endings are bad. You know, sometimes the things mm-hmm. that we left, let go of are things that are making room for something new. That's right. Something that's even important. better that, that, that suits mm-hmm. us better. Yes, it's wonderful. Well, you know, what am I, I, I mentioned this, I'm going to say it again. My favorite book, I love all your books that I've read, and Uncrossing, what a great book. I just love it. And You know, I didn't you, even intend to write that book, Patricia. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my I'm goodness. so glad you wrote it. I didn't. It was a total mistake. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I was lecturing at Pantheacon, which was a um, – a uh, conference that used to happen in San Jose, California, and I was lecturing on uncrossing, and I wanted to create just a little pamphlet to hand out to the people who came to the conference. And I had no intention of writing any more books. I was booked solid with client work and with the store and everything that was going on, and I was in an exclusivity contract. And so I contacted my editor and said, hey, just wanted to give you a heads up that I'm writing this fat little pamphlet and it's just for PantheaCon. It's it's exclusive to the people who are attending. And she said, well, actually we kind of unlike to unpack that a little bit. And they ended up <laughs> signing it. And so honestly, if we had not closed down for three months for COVID in 2020, that book would not have been written. I would have ended up completely botching my contract because there was no time. But that's oh. how Uncrossing came to be, is it was supposed to be a tiny little little pamphlet. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, can you give us 50,000 words on it? <laughs> so wow. it ended up being an accidental book. Well, it's a great book. God, we're strange ways. <laughs> yes. And it, it really brought to attention for so many people in our audience the whole concept of how, you know, people can, can throw these curses at not just you. But it could have happened generations back and still be affecting you. Can you talk oh, a little bit about that? Oh, well, sure. I, how much time you got? Boy, this is what I you do nonstop. Is people <laughs> are, everybody's cursed. You're all cursed, every single one of you. Not by me. <laughs> but, you know, there's so many ways. There's so many ways that we can fall under psychic attack. And we collect this energy as we move through life, 
from the time we're a child on. I mean, think about all the times when you were a child, when somebody, another child, an adult, said something to you that was so hurtful and so harmful to you that you had a traumatic response to it. That's a form of curse. You know, cursing came about, and in fact, swearing is called cursing because the original force of it was to to curse and harm someone. You know, G-D-U and F-U. Uh, and mm-hmm. it was it was a way of of throwing attack at someone. It's it's that energetic, and even just being near someone who's ranting about somebody or something, having nothing to do with you, can cause a psychic attack for you. And so we go through life like this little sticky ball, picking up all of this stuff, just rolling along. And if we don't ever get it cleaned up. It begins to work cooperatively. All of this mess we've picked up on us begins to talk to each other inside of us to the point that we can't hear ourselves think anymore. We can't have positive outcomes anymore until we get that all cleaned off. And that's what Uncrossing was about, was being able to recognize when the outcomes you're having are not about you anymore. They're about negativity that you've picked up, and curses are a form of negativity. Yes, and yeah, they people really are. Each other. Yeah, people deliver. I mean, that's just the incidental stuff. Oh my gosh, people literally poke the doll, stir the cauldron, and curse each other all the time. You know, we think that that doesn't happen. It happens all the time, and that's a shame so- that people behave that way. When somebody puts out something, let's say, gives a curse be a curse word, etc. What would be mm-hmm. a good thing for the to respond back to help re- reduce the negativity? You know, the best thing to do is to take practice that removes that negativity. Now, a lot of people are familiar with using different sages to um, get the smoke around you, and that helps clear you out. You know, you can visualize that you're shielded, and that helps. You can touch a black rock or a tree, and that helps ground you down. So there are things that you can do to reduce the effect of that energy, but you kind of have to get on that right away. Otherwise, it's going to sit in you mm-hmm. and build up and create negative feelings inside of you. You know, it's, it's just an insidious thing. People are horrible to one another. They really are. And we see the best in people occasionally, but we see the worst in people a lot, especially lately. And, you know, it's, it's amazing True. how comfortable people are hurling negativity at each other. I know the last time that we, we talked, we mentioned that the most common place where someone gets cursed is an on-ramp of the freeway. Because yeah. you're trying to merge, and the people on the free work are screaming, stop, don't come on. You know, the person behind you is honking, go, mm-hmm. go, go. Uh, road rage <laughs> is a terrible way that we just fling negative energy at someone we don't even know. We don't know their story. Yeah. We don't know their situation. We know they're in our way, or they're behaving in a way we don't like. And so because we're encased in metal, we feel comfortable screaming at them. And it's, and it's a shame. Yes. People who commute are at high risk. 
Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. You mentioned using a black rock. Now, if a person were to mm-hmm. keep a black rock on their person, would that be helpful? You know, it's like Wonder Woman's bracelets, man. It will just ref- it'll it'll suck it all down or reflect it. Or, or bounce it back. And black black stones mm-hmm. are wonderful for protection. I love tourmaline and onyx and obsidian. They're all fabulous. Uh, basalt is another great one. And as long as it's black, it can even be just a black river agate, and that will help absorb negativity. Carry it in your pocket. And um, mm-hmm. my daughter makes this product um, – I, I don't know how liberal your uh, your audience is, but it's called rockin' tits. And so what it is, is it's a tube that's made of cloth that you can put your stones in and then wrap it around your bra, uh, the inside oh, of your bra. And that uh-huh. lets you carry it close close to you so that it's on your skin. And that's my right. favorite mm-hmm. way to carry my stones. If I have a little pouch in my bra, I mean, things fall out of there all the time, you know, and, right. and so I'm afraid I'm going to lose my stone, my but this, yeah. has, yes, this, this has Velcro on it, and so it, uh, it just joins together, and you don't ever lose your stones, but stones are such a fabulous spell work. They do so mm-hmm. many different things that a lot of people want that rose quartz on them to encourage self-love. They want that um, blue agate for peace. They want that black stone for protection. They want the green stone for money. And so you end up with this marble bag full of rocks that you're trying yeah. to transport somehow. And this way it just touches <laughs> right between the girls, you know. <laughs> it stays safe. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Definitely. What about Shungite is great, but you know it's hard. This is going to sound terrible. It's hard to get smaller pieces sometimes. All of the shungite I've ever had were huge, and uh, but shungite has boy we could do a whole show on shungite. Uh, that has a lot of wonderful features. Definitely Google shungite. Okay, and it's black. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, I know they've they've seen one. they've been making some very pretty bracelets with it. You know, round cut um, stones that that are just lovely, and I they feel are. more grounded when I wear those bracelets i really do it's just so. stuff you know one of the things we specialized at crossroads was raw stone i prefer the raw stone i i have polished stone and love it but the raw stone just has a stronger um energy signature to it and so we specialize in raw stones and when we closed the store people said you aren't going to know what to do with all those rocks you got and i made the biggest, most elaborate rock garden you can imagine in my front Oh, what a great (laughs) idea. This thing is full, and it's got everything, and and there's a shungite corner in it, actually. Oh, gosh. That's wonderful. What a magnificent way to use it. Yes, we want to see this. Gosh, that's great. (laughs) Please. Definitely. You know, we still have the picture of the little fairy shoe that you sent. Oh, the fairy shoe. Yes, that was fun. You've got to tell this story again. So many oh, people sure. well, ask about that. Go the ahead. The fairy shoes. Well, my my kids were younger. I think my daughter was 9 or 10, and she's the middle one. So um, 
we had just moved up to Grizzly Flats, and we had our we lost our home there last year. It was it was oh, interesting so about that, you all, because we moved in there when my daughter was about to go into middle school in 2004, and um, we raised our three youngest there, and then one month to the day after my youngest kid moved out, that house burned down. Wow. So it's as though that oh, house was just there for those kids and not for us. No. <laughs> so that, that, was, that was August 17th of, of last year, 2021. And um, in 2005, we were having our um, – every year we had a midsummer uh, ritual out, we had a large circle. It would hold over 100 people out back. And we had a midsummer ritual. And at midsummer was when we brought in the summer fairies. And then at summer or at uh, winter, winter solstice, we'd bring in the winter fairies. And we didn't think a whole lot about it because it's just something we had always done. But when you're up in the mountains, the fairy activity is very strong. And we didn't know this. We didn't know there was a difference than when you're in the city. And so we go out as we always do, and, oh, we invite those fairies, blah, blah, blah. And, and we called the fairies <laughs> in, just as we had always done. And we put out offerings for them, little pieces of cake that they love and sweetened milk. And we put it out in little cups in our fairy ring. And we put out little sparkles for them. They like little flat marbles and pieces of jewelry and things like that. And we put all of those out there. And then we closed the ritual and went inside, didn't think anything else of it. Well, we came out the next day, and the the fairy circle was wrecked, and we thought, okay, well, some deer walked through it or something like that. But all of the glasses, and they were tiny little glasses, they were all spilled over, and uh, the jewelry was all knocked around and everything. But in the middle of the fairy ring were these two little orange shoes and they weren't barbie <laughs> shoes we we all are old enough to know what barbie shoes look like with the little stilettos yeah. you know the little you know all so right. it wasn't that these were flats <laughs> plastic and they were just sitting there together and i thought well that's interesting because i knew my kids had not been outside uh, we had closed circle after dark they had gone to bed they got up they went to school so I was trying to figure out this little shoe thing, and I thought, well, is, does, does Delina have any dolls that have shoes like that? Where did these damn shoes come from? And one of my kids, uh, Nathan, I think it was, afterwards, he was really little, came in, he says, no, those are fairy shoes. And oh, I thought, okay. Yeah. So I picked them up, and I, I stupidly put them on my hearth at home, or my mantle, rather, and not thinking I'm robbing some poor little fairy of shoes. I'm just thinking, you know, oh, there's a present from the fairies. And so I put them up on my mantle. And one of my friends came in and said, you know, you probably shouldn't have taken those. They might need them. And I ended up, I did take a picture of them, which I put in the cuss book next to a, it was a penny, I think it was, it was next to me. And yeah. for size. And then I took them back out and put them in the, in the fairy ring again, and they were gone the next day. Amazing. Now, as I recall, when you had them in your house, things started to go bad. They were not, oh boy, they were not happy. 
And the cats were really angry. They were messing with the cats. And um, they were taking different, like my jewelry. If I you know, took off a ring and set it down, it would disappear. Our car keys were disappearing. They were really messing with us until I gave those shoes back. So it was good that I did. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. And they they were so tiny. When you sent that picture, we were in awe. It was just those mm-hmm. were teeny tiny little shoes. I mean, they I don't were. even know dolls and made that are that small for those shoes. Yeah, they were about the length of maybe the end of your pinky finger. That last yeah flangy, little mm-hmm. tiny things. And even if they had been doll shoes, you've got to know that. This land that we lived on, it wasn't, there was no grass. Um, our circle was in, it was in the mountains. This was 4,200 feet. It was like the scrub that's on a forest floor was our backyard. Mm-hmm. And so it was just flora and fauna from the area. So it isn't as though these little shoes would, they're going to get lost. But we had created yeah. this area for the fairy ring, you know, of any vegetation or anything, and had made like a little circle with stones and that sort of thing. And so that's where they were, and then that was where they disappeared. So it was just a strange thing to manifest there. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Now, and I know you've, you've said we have to be very cautious because fairies have different rules, and a lot of us don't know They're what they are. Own. They don't even know what they are. <laughs> you know, uh, fairies are just interesting little creatures. They just are very in the moment, and I don't even know that their rules stay the same from day to day. We think of fairies uh-huh. as little tiny cute Tinkerbell things and don't research the giant eight-foot ones. <laughs> it's just an odd thing, but we really just want to live harmoniously with them. So after that, I've always given the fairies offerings. We actually have in our, we had in our store, and then we have it online, a candle and an oil. That's called the FF Fairy um, Oil and the FF Fairy Candle. And the two Fs both stand for one of my favorite F words that I won't use right now. But it's, it's okay. when the fairies <laughs> are messing with you, and the candle negotiates with them. And the candle oh. helps them to know that, hey, we just want to know what you want. Just in case you don't know you weren't supposed to pick up the fairy shoes. You know, it helps you to understand mm-hmm. and, and create peace with the fairies. I also have a Midsummer's uh, fairy candle that is made from uh, Waterhouse's. Um, there's a painting that John Waterhouse did that is, of Midsummer Fairies, and it's really lovely. And mm. that's one we use just Beautiful. to honor the fairies. I'm a big fan of making peace with your land spirits, and if your land spirits include fairies, you want to be really careful with those guys. Make sure they're happy. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, <clears throat> oh, my God, I have so many questions for you, so much to discuss tonight. <laughs> it's, oh, my mind is reeling here, Katrina. <laughs> I mean, there's so many, so many people that want better things in their lives, and they don't know how to get them. They don't know that they're in their own way. And right. when they approach you for help, I mean, how do you work with people? When they, they come to you and they say, you know, my, 
my life is in shambles or mm-hmm. you know I'm, I have a lousy job. How do you counsel them and direct them for spell work? Nobody, nobody comes to the local witch when your life is going great. So That's you automatically sure. assume that if somebody's seeking you out, they're in crisis. Usually they're far enough mm-hmm. in crisis that they've tried what they consider to be everything. And so they call you the day they're going to court. They call you the day that their husband's coming back from a long trip and they just found out they're pregnant with somebody else's baby. You know, they don't call me when the boat starts to sink. They call me yeah. when their neck is underwater. Mm, and so oh every time I'm talking with, with a client or working with them, I have to presume this is one of their worst days. And so mm-hmm. I always, when I'm teaching my, I teach healers and I've graduated out four different classes of advanced healers and master healers. And what I always emphasize with them is how to manage people who are in crisis. And that's what it's so important is to show compassion to be present for, for these people and to hear what's going on with them, but to also figure out what the solution's going to be. And usually it's something they haven't thought of. And one of the hardest things for people who are in crisis to manage is any degree of accountability that they might have for their circumstances. Right. But as soon as you can get them to see that there's some accountability there and there's some choices there, they're suddenly taking back their own power. I had one guy come to me just bereft because he's living with his father. His father has cancer, and he was just constantly complaining about his father wants this, his father wants that, how can I do this, I can't manage this. And I said, well, you're choosing to live there, and so we have to find a way to make that manageable for you. And he said, wait, no, back up. I'm not choosing to live here. I have to live here because my father's sick. And I said, no, you don't. You don't have to do that. You're choosing to do that because that's what causes you to be able to live in your skin is your choice to do that. Right. So given that that is your choice, you need to own that choice. You -hmm. knew who your father was when you moved in there. He's not behaving differently now than he has any other time in your life. And you chose to be there. And so a lot of times it's hard to get them to accept any kind of accountability because they think that they're trapped when they're really not. You know, we can make any choice we choose to. And that's one of the first things I try to do with people is to get them to see... Yeah, that they're a part of it and they're they're mm-hmm. involved in it and the choices they made are their own. I think, you know, when I was doing therapy for people years ago, it, a lot of people hear that as blame. And it's not blame. Mm-hmm. It's, it's exactly what you said. It's just, here's your piece of power. Take it back. Not, right. here's what you did wrong. Shame on you. That's not what you're saying. But a lot mm-hmm. of people hear permission, that too. Sometimes it's permission, I mean, I had one gal come to me just devastated that she was going to have to go to a family function. Her abuser was going to be there. She was going to have to make nice. She was going to have to pretend like she hadn't been abused by this person. Her children, who were teenagers, really wanted to go. They really wanted to see family. They really wanted to do this thing. And I said, well, what would happen if you didn't go? And she was aghast. 
just mm. well, uh, what I, I couldn't. Uh, they would talk about me for you know like a dog. Well, they're going to talk about you like a dog anyway, from what you've told me. Boy, and mm-hmm. you're going to have a miserable time. Have someone else take your children there if they want to attend, and you go do something you love to do that you don't normally get to do. And yeah, she came back advice. with just bright eyes, so excited. I did it. I did it. I got my ex-husband, who's still close with my family, to take my kids to this event, and I went and did this thing that I love to do. I had a fantastic day. The kids had a great time. So think about the weight those kids would have carried, knowing their mom is miserable. Think about the negativity she was going to interject into that gathering with her fear and anxiety, which doesn't mean it's unwarranted, but simply that she needed permission to not go. And so a lot of times, like you, were, like you were saying, you know, you've got to figure out what your client is needing. And sometimes they're needing permission to do something or not mm-hmm. do something. And sometimes they're needing accountability, and sometimes they just need somebody to listen. And sometimes they need you to burn a money candle for them so that they can start getting some income stream. You just have to figure out how can I most practically help this person, or am I even the person to help this person? Mm-hmm. What is one of so your a, most mir- miraculous experiences with people when they come to you for spell work? Maybe oh, something wow. that you can think of that even surprised you in terms of, of how it changed things. You know, I don't think I ever stopped being surprised, and I've been doing this for almost 40 years. It's still magical to me every single time that I can do the scientific act of lighting a candle or um, setting up a stone grid or whatever it might be. The physical action happens, and I send energy through it, and there's an outcome that I wanted to have happen. I think the one that still stands out the most for me, it was personal, was when Eric was in the military, um, we had just, I'm trying to, we had just gotten married. I was trying to think if we were married or not. We had just gotten married. And uh, he got orders <clears throat> to Bosnia. And it was a terrible time for Bosnia. I don't know if Bosnia has ever had a good time, but this was a really horrible time. And uh, he was going to be going into a very dangerous situation. And I said, well, you're not, you're clearly not going. And he said, well, of course I am. You know, well, it's military. I'm going to go. And I've, I've had two military husbands, and both were exceptionally patriotic and dedicated. And I, was, I am as well. And so it's not that I had a problem with him serving his country. It was that this particular mission was wrong. It was not supposed to happen right now. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> I told him, just give me a minute. He said, honey, this is, this is outside of your skill set. This is Uncle Sam. (laughs) Uncle Sam is saying, I'm going, so I'm going. So I need you to start making peace with that idea. And I was like, nope, nope, this is not what we're doing. And so I did the work, and inexplicably, um, his orders were canceled, and his squadron was excluded from that trip. (gasps) Wow. Good job. 
we still have his um, cancellation of orders rolled up in a, a scroll holder of here at the house. It was one of the things that we were able to save from the fire. And uh, he he was just amazed. I, that can't be. That can't be. Nope. I told you you weren't going. So I think that was my, my biggest that I pulled off. That's and huge. It was huge. It was huge. Yeah, Eric especially Very. is weather. He's the weatherman. Oh, really? And so he what does can, he do? Oh, oh my goodness. He is great at drawing in rain. He's been working on this for California for a bit now, so we should be raining probably next week. But he's just really wonderful at controlling the weather. If we've got an event coming up and it's not supposed to rain, he'll push it out for us. And he's just a fantastic little weather mage. Gosh, that's tremendous. Um, yeah. Now, does he, with things for weather, I mean, I know mm-hmm. Native Americans who also had that ability is quite remarkable. I mean, is that something that he does with ritual and ceremony? He uses a special it ceremony is. for that? And me- that and meditation and visualization, you know, weather, like anything else, is energy. And so when we can take our energy high enough and far enough, we can interact with different weather experiences. One of my books is actually called Weather Witchery. <clears throat> and in print, it's called Weather or Not. And oh, I talk cute. about how you can engage with the energy of a storm system or snow or all sorts of different weather experiences. It's just energy. And especially if you get enough people working on it, that adds to the aggregate energy. You know, it's all, everything about spell work is still just Newtonian laws of energy. And one of the Newtonian laws of energy is that the more energy you put behind something, the faster it's going to move. So the more people we get invested in a common cause, the faster the energy will move to that cause and the more energy we'll have. That's why prayer circles work. Because you have, uh-huh. a, per, you have a, a group of people who are focused on a common goal. And so if you've got a group mm-hmm. of people working on a weather manifestation or banishment, it's going to be stronger. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and we've seen that. Yeah. It's happened. Yes. Incredible. So I want to revisit what we were talking about with... Uh, people cursing each other and because mm-hmm. I know you've talked about this before with your book on crossing that there could have been a curse thrown at somebody like generations ago, like four or five generations mm-hmm. in the past. And you could still be affected by that, even though it wasn't done directly at you. So you absolutely know, can. That is and crazy. The, and then the how do you get rid of that? Uh, Same way. I use the egg cleansing to to pull off any type of curse. It's very Mm -hmm. hard to, something that deep-seated is hard to do on your own. One of the challenges I had, my publisher is Llewellyn, and one of the challenges I had with the Uncrossing book is they they wanted me to explain how you get rid of a really ugly curse on your own. And I said, you know, in conversation with my editor, "You, you don't. You need professional help for that. Well, we're a, uh, Llewellyn was saying, we are a, an instructional publisher, so you need to tell us how. And so I started 
trying to come up with ideas for how you would manage this on your own. And I, I've got to be, I've got to be honest. I didn't feel comfortable with a lot of what I wrote in that book about managing it on your own, because it really would be a band aid until you could get to somebody who could help fix you. And what I was trying to explain to the editor was, look, this is like, well, what, what would you do if you had cancer? How can you manage that on your own? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. You need to go to a professional. And so it it just wasn't working. So I came up with some things to do that would be very helpful. Uh, But a generational curse is not one that I would be comfortable having someone self-medicate on, so to speak. And the thing about generational curses is that it, they were very crafty. You don't see a lot of people now doing generational curses. That was a thing of the past when the legacy of children was extremely important to people. And so throwing a curse at somebody that said your firstborn son will uh, be impotent or will die or whatever it might be. Um, Your third daughter will never be able to marry. All of these things that would go into these intricate curses, they just continue moving through that DNA. And the worst part of it is you don't know how it's going to hit. Is it hitting the girls? Is it hitting the boys? Is it hitting the second son of each family? You don't know. And then you've got the added thing of this is specifically a DNA thing. This is a family thing. So what happened if somebody's daddy isn't who they thought it was? Mm-hmm. Or what happens if um, you have twins? Are they both going to get hit? And all of those things come into play when we're dealing with generational curses. And yeah, this is this is stuff that can go back in families for a hundred, two hundred, many hundreds of years, depending on the strength of the person who did the spell work. And until it is eradicated, it continues to affect. So it's and it, can cause, it can cause poverty. It can cause physical ailment. It can cause um, fertility issues. All sorts of things. So how does one know? I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, how does one there's a family whatever. But how does one know if there's goes with the lady? How do how do we look? TK, your phone is cutting out. It's hard to hear what you're saying. It sounds like you're I saying, think, "How do you know?" So right, that's what I'm thinking too. Um, you really don't. What you know is that you're having. An inexplicable run of bad luck that never leaves you. Now, some people, mm-hmm. just, that old thing of I was born under an unlucky star, or mm-hmm. I just never have any good luck. No, you know, my family never succeeds. Now, there is generational poverty, and people who attempt to extricate themselves from generational poverty are up against huge obstacles. It's a horrible thing to have to pull yourself out of poverty, especially when it's a multi-generational poverty. And so there is a difference between, oh, our family is cursed versus our family has not been able to take advantage of the opportunities that other people have been able to take advantage of. So it's, it's a different kind of thing. 
but there are some people that nothing ever seems to go right for them. There are some people that, Mm -hmm. you know, you look at somebody who can never have a successful relationship and you've got to wonder, is it a matter of they're just a horrible partner or is it, are they, do they choose abusive partners or is there a curse going on there to keep them from procreating in some way? And so there's lots of ways that we can start to wonder about that. But usually what happens when somebody has a generational curse is they're coming into me for a specific line of misfortune where they're saying, look, I just cannot turn this around. I don't know what to do. And then we'll do an egg and there's a specific formation that comes up in the egg that tells us this is a generational curse. And then the first thing they say is, well, who sent it? Well, I I don't know because I don't do forensic magic. I'm not a person that goes and looks for who cursed you. I'm the doctor that stitches you up afterwards. You know, I'm not looking for who stabbed you. Yeah, so it's really not that important to know that, the point of origin. It's just as important to get rid of it. It's right. It's ego and revenge that makes people want to know. And I don't have time for that. I just don't. And it's yeah. not going to be helpful information to have unless it's your your partner or your roommate or somebody in your life who is chronically cursing you. And if that's happening, you probably know that that's happening and need to make better yeah. life choices. But, you know, I... Uh, I have a lot of people that, you know, that that's the first thing we want to know. Who cursed me? And I just tell them I don't do that. We're not, we're not going to do that. And so what we try to do is just remove the curse. If it comes back and they're repeatedly being cursed, then we want to look at some ideas for shielding and finding out where this is coming from. And that's different than people who get contamination from astral travel and things like that. You know, there's all sorts of spiritual contamination that we can pick up. It's not a curse. And so we want to just be really clear on what type of contamination we're we're managing when we're helping somebody. People must feel so relieved when you're able to remove these generational curses. Because it sounds like such well, a heavy-duty thing. It is, it is a heavy-duty thing. And at the same time, their relief is sometimes not helpful because what happens is they, oh, I always knew something was wrong. Well, you also might be a screw-up. It, it doesn't mean <laughs> that your life is just suddenly going to be fixed <clears throat> because, because there was a curse and we took it off. You might still be a screw-up. And so it's not gonna, you're not going to suddenly walk outside and all the birds are going to talk to you and you're going to get into a Cadillac, you know. There's still things that have to roll out. And that's one of the worst things about a curse is just getting the curse removed. It's, it's not like you killed the head vampire. You know, you're, you're going to still have after effects. So if a curse caused you to lose your job, you're not going to miraculously get your job back. If it caused your relationship to break up, that relationship isn't going to get mended unless you do the work to make that happen. What's going to happen is you are no longer impeded by that curse and seeking out a better fortune than what you had previously. So it doesn't undo everything that happened. 
it just clears the road for the future. Yeah, interesting. And I remember you saying that some of the absolute, absolutely most horrific curses actually are in the Bible. Oh, they're horrible. Psalms is an amazing collection of curses. Uh, I believe it's 109, and, and my COVID brain is scrambled on this, but I think it's Psalms 109. That is pages and pages of things like um, your mother's name will be erased from the pages of history. You'll have explosive diarrhea. All of your children <laughs> will, will hate you or die. And I mean, it oh just God. goes on and on and on <laughs> and on. And right when you think that they just scooby did this mess right out of there and they're done, there's more. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's insane. All the curses in the Bible. They were yeah. legit about that. They were they were very uh, thorough. I guess. <laughs> and it's yeah. the last place I would and, expect it to see that, but I remember you talking about that. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. Now, there is a time when you can do spells for yourself, and there's a time when it's better to turn it over to an expert like you. But for people that, for example, are looking for a better job, more money in their lives, and Mm -hmm. and they just need that extra bump to help them get there, you Mm -hmm. have candles for that, right? You have different kinds of things people can do for that on their own. I do. And, you know, we we have candles like the showers of gold candle which is a traditional candle we've got i open my spirit to receive wealth which is one that we developed to encourage long-term prosperity for people we've got ones called pay me for when someone owes you money and so there's lots of ways you can go about manifesting wealth with candles i always feel bad when somebody orders a you know they're clearly in a place of crisis and they they order $200 worth of candles, and I'm like, you know, I could have turned your money around real fast for you by refunding this because, you know, just go to the Dollar Tree and get a candle and, and write your, your wishes on it and mm-hmm. with a Sharpie and light that sucker up. So, yeah. you know, you yeah, absolutely. But, you know, there's times you want a professional to do it. There's times that you want to do it on your own, and there's benefits to both. Now, with you, a person... I can't want for you as much as you want something for yourself. So oh, you want your lover to come you want your lover to come back. You want this perfect job, you want a new car, you want uh spiritual enlightenment. Whatever it is that you desire, what's your goal that you want to burn a candle for, you want it more than I can want it for you. And that's more mm-hmm. energy. So that's always good. And so I prefer it when somebody is working in tandem with me. So I'm lighting a candle for you, and you're lighting a candle for you. Another thing is that when I do it, for one thing, I'm pretty good at focusing and sending energy. I've done this for, you know, like I said, almost 40 years. But also, I don't have the emotional rubble that other people have on top of their goals. I don't right. doubt that you can That's get it. Important. You doubt that mm-hmm. you can get it. I doubt that you. I don't doubt that you can get it. <clears throat> that gives me a little bit more flow. And also, I keep the candles going. I don't put them out. Some people will start the candles, burn them a little bit, put them out, come back and work them later, and that's fine. But I burn mine straight through. 
So they're going to just, it's going to be a constant, huge push of energy without any loss of flow. So there's positive and negative things involved with different people doing work for you. You should never have somebody do work for you that you don't completely trust or that you don't know very well. You should always check and just make sure you feel the vibe with the person. Like, Patricia, if I were going to do work for you, you know me, we know each other, you would possibly, hopefully, feel comfortable with that. Absolutely. But if you were just contacting somebody off the Internet, you don't know their integrity. You don't know if they even lit that candle or not. That's right. And so that's why when I'm working for somebody, I always send them a picture of the candles burning on my altar when it's done, I'm going to send them pictures of what the glass looked like afterwards. I'm going to say, oh, this was really black. We hit some serious resistance here. We need to burn some more just to make sure that that energy hits or we need to reconsider why you're doing this. Or, hey, this was a super clean candle. We've got lots of activity here. This sent really great energy to your goal. And give them a follow-up on what happened with their candle. But there's a, there's so many people out there who will just take your money and um, not give you good results. Yeah, you exactly. About just going to to the dollar store, say, and getting a candle and writing your wishes mm-hmm. on it. Color of the candle make a difference. It can. You know what we work with in witchcraft is layers. So we put the most layers we can of energy onto a spell, and color is one of those layers. So if we're using a money spell, we're going to want green or we're going to want gold in there. If we're using a love spell, we want pinks and reds for the passion. If we're healing, we're going to want blue or purple or even green can be very healing. So Mm -hmm. we're going to tailor the color according to the the nature of the spell. But one thing that's good to know is that white candles are all-purpose. So white is the presence of all colors as opposed to the absence of colors. Black is the absence of colors. White is the presence of all colors. So when we use a white candle, we get it right every time. That's easy. And you also want to be very, if you're going to keep your candle burning, be very fire safe with it. I recommend burning your candle in uh, a big saucepan preferably with sand in it, so that if that candle breaks, you're not going to have any fire risk. Don't have your candle in the same room where you've got your cats or anybody who might knock it over, children, toddlers. Make sure you've got it in a safe place. But I like to just let that candle just roll and do its thing. That's good to know. Another thing people, another thing people do a lot is they'll mess with the candle when they're burning it. They'll get in Uh-oh. there trying to dig out the wick and pouring out wax so that it'll burn faster. No, 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 no. You just, you light the candle, you let it go. And then you can interpret what's going on with the energy by looking at how the candle burned. So you want a clean burning candle. Is that the ideal? That's the ideal. And with my candles, I put a little bit of glitter up in the wax so that, excuse me, as it burns, we get glitter along the side of the the glass walls of the candle, and that tells me when the candle was especially active. If we've got a lot of glitter, we know the candle was putting out a lot of heat, and it was very busy at that time. In fact, on my YouTube channel, which if you go to crossroadsoccult.com, then 
you can click on classes and, and there's a link there for my YouTube channel, or you can just go to youtube.com slash Katrina Rathbold. And I have got many, 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 many videos on how to work with magical candle burning. And there's probably 10, 15 videos on there for how to read the candles, how to prep the candles, all the ways that you can get these ready to add those layers of energy onto them, different ways to use herbs and oils and uh, settings and things like that to, to amp up your candle magic. That's great. Good to know. Yeah. Katrina, you were to recommend one book that say someone is pretty difficult at how to guide a book, but they want help what you do. Would you recommend first? Um, oh, my brain just froze up because there's so many. For Candle Magic, well, I know my you favorite have so many book is, uh-huh. For Candle Magic, my favorite book is Madame Pamita's Book of Candle Magic. And mm-hmm. it's put out by Llewellyn. It's a wonderful book. Uh, for spiritual cleansing, part of the reason I wrote the book, Uncrossing, and, and God was getting into that specific topic is because I couldn't find any books on how to do it. So that's the only one I know of is the Uncrossing book. There might be some out there. There are a few hoodoo practitioners that might be writing about that. <clears throat> but that's um, – well, and there's so many spell work books. Product. Your books are so good. I wouldn't want anybody else's but yours. That's why I wanted to know which would be considered the best one to use. Oh, of mine? Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, I haven't really done a lot of books on spell work because that wasn't my niche at the publishers. And because there's mm-hmm. so many books out there on spell work, I didn't want to write about things that people were already covering. Um you know, I'm just a big fan of the book Energy Magic that Eric and I wrote. That is a book specifically on how to move energy toward a specific goal. And oh, that I really think that's our, that's our flagship. And again, you're going to have to, if you go to Amazon, which is the only place you can get it right now, you just type in Energy Magic and make sure you include Rasbold with your search parameter. Because it's probably buried so deep in Amazon, you would never find it. Or you can just go to Amazon and look up Katrina Rathbold, and that'll take you to my author, our author page, and that will give you the entire list of all the books that uh, I've written and Eric has written with me. And Energy Magic will be in that batch. And it's just—I think it's my favorite because it just breaks down magical practice to very simple science mm-hmm. and really simple procedure. In fact. I got a couple of bad reviews because people were saying, this is too simple. This is too basic. And <laughs> Well, it, it wasn't written as a master level book. It was written for the absolute newbie who knows nothing about energy movement mm-hmm. going forward, who wants a starting point. And that was the whole point of us writing that book is this is how you can get your energy to move faster and harder. This is what slows down energy. This is what's going to block you. And uh, we really enjoyed writing that. That was one of our, our favorite books. Oh, that's you guys great. You certainly have a great selection to choose from, thanks to you. Yeah, all of these books. Talk to us about Santa Marte. Oh, <laughs> that's interesting because I just finished her altar today in our new house. 
Um, oh, she's my perfect. She's what we would call uh, my patrona. She's she's my my girl. Santa Marta is the saint of death, and she's also known as La Santissima Marta, the most holy death. And she is a Mexican folk saint who is the personification of the Grim Reaper. And what we say is that she is with us from the moment we take our first breath until she comes to collect us. And so she knows us better than anyone. She's um, very non-judgmental as an energy force. She's definitely the most powerful divine figure I have ever worked with. And I've worked with multiple gods and goddesses, including Christian God, uh, for many, many years. And she is just the most communicative, the most receptive, and the most effective and powerful force I have ever dealt with in my life. And I've been a devotee of hers for many, many years. And she it, it just works for me because she feels like a mother figure, you know, because she's been there with you since that first breath that you drew. When we are born, we never know when we're going to die, but she does. And so she knows secrets about us that no one knows. And she is very judgment, non-judgmental, uh, unlike a lot of divine figures. When she looks at human beings Her thought is anything that you do is going to pale in comparison to what I do when you draw your last breath and I take you away. So whatever you do is just people doing people things. She looks at us as kind of an ant farm because she says, (laughs) you're people, you're people, you're going to do people stuff. So when you're horrible to each other, that's people stuff. That's what people do, you know, and, She's um, So she's very forgiving. She doesn't see anything to forgive. She just sees us as some sort of biological experiment. And um, for that reason, she is really appreciated and venerated by a lot of horrible people. The drug cartels use her quite a bit. Um, people who are on the wrong side of the law use her quite a bit because she doesn't judge them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's why she's so horribly maligned is because of the association with the criminal aspect. But I enjoy her very much. We led venerations to her for many years, and um, she's just a wonderful presence. She's one of those divine figures you can just chatter to. And what she asked of us is, you know, I'm going to take you at some time. So what I demand of you is that you live your life to the fullest every day until then. And so she's very appreciative of partying and laughing and joking and playing. And she's she's just ribald. I mean, she's just an absolute crack up. She has a, an incredible sense of humor and is just, she's a pistol. I just enjoy her very much. Yeah. Now, what kinds of offerings do you give to her? You know, people would think that the saint of death wants dead things. And she she says, no, I get that all the time. That's, that's every day for me. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, she appreciates things that are dear to the person giving it. 
And so the mm. most common, the most com- and this is true for any divine figure that to whom you give a sacrifice or you give an offering, it's only as important as what it means to you. Now, there are some divine figures that have very specific things they want. I want this spice and I want this flower and this incense, and, and she's not like that. She wants okay. what is important to you. So her most common offerings that are given to her are a really excellent tequila. She loves alcohol. She loves marijuana. And she loves flowers. And she loves candy. Those are what usually people are going to give to her. However, it has to be dear to you. Now, I don't drink, not by any sort of like uh, ethical guideline or anything. I just don't enjoy drinking. And so I don't drink. So if I pour out a fantastic tequila to her, that doesn't mean anything to her because it doesn't mean anything oh. to me. Mm-hmm. But if I, give her an, if I give her an expensive chocolate that I could have eaten and enjoyed, that then she sees as a sacrifice. So she wants what's dear to you and what pleases you and what makes you feel alive because that is something that's worthwhile to her. So I always give chocolate or um, she likes games as well, little games, like uh, mm-hmm. little tic-tac-toe games and things like that that make people have fun. And mm-hmm. what's interesting is we had a shrine to her at our shop many years ago when we were in a farmer's market. And there was a huge farmer's market here in in our area. It's up in Roseville, California, called Denio's. And it's something like 80 acres. It's huge, and it's a swap meet. And we had one of the few buildings that was an actual permanent building that you could open and unlock and lock the door. Everything else was kind of itinerant as pop-ups and things like that, trailers. And we had this little shrine to her back under a shelf. And that's where we honored her. And people would come in and not say anything to us and just kneel down at the shrine, spend time with her, leave an offering and go. She, the gangs, the gangs in that area had a schedule for when they were coming to visit her. One group came on Saturday, one group came on Sunday because they couldn't be there at the same time. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it became, and I've still got every offering ever given to her. And I just set them up today, you know, at our shrine at our new house. And, they're hers. They're not mine. So I have to, I'm, I'm just the custodian of those things. And so, so yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. People real, there's a place in Mexico in Tepito where a woman named Dona Queta has a, a, her entire front window is a shrine. And that's how the veneration of Santa Marta came out from underground. It had previously been an underground experience. And one um, all saints day, she put out, her giant statue mm-hmm. of Santa Marta, and, and everybody lost their minds. They just, and it's, it's now it's a pilgrimage, sort of like uh, the Our Lady of Guadalupe Basilica, where people come to Tepito to see Santa Marta. Gosh. Now, Fabulous. I've heard that it is the fastest growing 
um, I don't know what to call it, but it's the fastest growing. Cult, I what? think it's the right word. <laughs> Cult, okay. No, it's, it's, in in it's, the world, no, it, it's that, really. It yeah, it's a huge devotion, and uh, you know, people just see results with her. And one of the most famous depictions of her is actually in the show Breaking Bad um, that I think was on maybe TNT, something like that, but uh, the, the television show. And there was a, yeah. a scene where the cousins, who were these Mexican badasses, actually did what we call the crawl, where they crawl to her shrine and they pinned a picture of our show's protagonist or anti-hero to her cloak so that she would kill him. And uh, she's, um, the crawl is, is a really fascinating experience, and I've done it several times. What happens with the crawl is that if there's a big ask, and this is something that you're really asking for something huge, like I did it when my daughter-in-law had stage four or stage three retro colorectal cancer. Oh my god! Uh, was one of the yeah. times, and I did the crawl then. But you crawl from a distance, not miles usually, although in Mexico it can be, but hundreds of feet at least, where you crawl on your hands and knees to her as an offering to her, and then you make your request and. When she grants it, you do the crawl again to say thank you. Wow. And I'm glad that I got to do that crawl the second time. Mm. So How wonderful. Yeah, Gosh. Wonderful. It's, Just it's amazing. A pretty, it's a painful experience to crawl. When you I know, found I it. So. Yes. <laughs> or knee pads. <clears throat> yes. Knee pads are recommended. And in Mexico, they will crawl in the streets, so it's over pavement and rocks and uh, lizards. <laughs> oh, Lord. My goodness. Yeah, because I know right right now where the, the altars of the Day of the Dead that they're putting mm-hmm. up at this point in time. And it's just incredible to see what people are putting together and how they're putting things out. And being raised in other areas, it's always fascinating to see how they put things together and how the energy that seems to come from it helps it's make incredible so much better. Okay, that, yeah. I I've been to some of the ven- the uh, Day of the Dead venerations here in California, and you know we have of course an enormous Hispanic community here, and there's right. the the ancestor altars are called ofrendas, and they are multi-leveled altars so there's several layers sometimes they'll be haystacks or created by different um so you use carpentry and build specific altar arrangements so that they're like stair steps mm-hmm. and they'll have the, the beautiful pictures of their ancestors on there and their loved ones and um things that their loved ones appreciated foods that they enjoyed um marigolds are a really big part of that too and and the burning of copal, the resin. And as you said, the energy is just coming off of it in waves. It's just an incredible experience and not not one to be taken lightly at all. The When the movie Coco came out, I think that's when a lot of white people were <laughs> introduced to this practice. And it's just 
amazing. Everybody should have an ancestor altar of some kind, no matter what your culture is, to honor the people that have come before you and paved the way for you to mm-hmm. to be who you are and do what you do. Mm. Yes. Now, is, is there a particular uh, time of year or day of veneration for Santa Marte or or not? There's not. There There is not. You know, with, for instance, with Our Lady of Guadalupe, I think it's December 12th that is her high holy day um, when they have the pilgrimage. But no, Santa Marte is just, her feeling is people die all day long every day. And so I am holy mm-hmm. all day long every day. So she is very much a needs-based energy. It's all about the moment and and being sacred and holy every moment. So no, there's she doesn't have a special day or hour. She she's just who she is. There are two amazing books about her. One is by a woman named Tracy Rollins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other is by a guy who I adore. He's my boo. And uh, his name is Tomas Prower. And those two books are absolutely the best resources on her. And um, I highly recommend them. It's just fascinating reading. I think Tomas has been on the show. and He should be. Of, he is phenomenal. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was a, he was great. And but one of the things that I know concerned people in our audience is when he talked about Santa Muerte granting uh, your wish or your concerns to mm-hmm. be resolved, but it wasn't necessarily going to happen in the way you wanted it to. <laughs> so you know, I think a lot of people backed sure. off from that. And and they should, you know, you've got to, and that this is the truth with any divine figure, though, even God, even the Christian God. You know, if you yeah. pray to God, God is not always going to grant your wish the way that you want it to. And yes. Santa Marte is the same way. And so it really is about making sure you are coming to this figure solid in what you want and willing to own that. And however that might manifest. And, you know, we see this a lot, even with cusp. We see a lot of people that, because cusp is about manifesting positive things in your life every single year. And so what will happen is people will plant something in the spring, like I want to have a new apartment or I want to have a new job or I want to have a new partner or whatever it might be. They'll make this, this statement and this wish in spring, and when they get it, in the fall, when it harvests, they're pissy about how it manifested. And, and that <laughs> happens a lot. Not, not just with Santa Marta, you know, I mean, although she's, she does have a sense of humor, as I said. But people are, are, they want what they want the way that they want it. And so yeah, it's exactly. amazing to me when I see people just complain and complain and complain about their job, and then they get mad when they got fired. <laughs> or some, Good you know, right. somebody, I, I've seen this a million times where people will come to me complaining about their partner and making a plan to leave, 
creating avenues for divorce. I need to end this relationship. I need to stop. This person's abusive. This person's horrible. I need them to leave. And then that person leaves them, and they're like, but I need them back. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't want it to end like that. And so, so often people are not happy with outcomes that they specifically manifested. I'm right. one of them, too. In one of my books, I talk about my first marriage was not a thriving, happy marriage. This was not to Eric. I was married to another guy, uh, Paul, for 17 years. And I, you know, he was my high school sweetheart. I mean, we still care a lot about each other. But it was a bad mix. We we should not have been together. But I decided to manifest joy. I had not been happy for a long time. I wanted to take responsibility for my life, and I manifested joy. I'll be damned if within a month of me doing that ritual, that man didn't leave me. Ah. Out of the blue, no reason. Well, the reason was he married an ugly woman, but... <laughs> the, uh, but it was we, I didn't think I had no clue and, and I'm pretty tuned in you know I'm pretty good at being engaged and seeing people and you know if something's off I'm on it and, and I had no clue boy it totally took me by surprise no and wow. it took me years to recognize I would never because I had a real crisis of faith I'm I was angry at the goddess, you know, how could you do this to me? I manifest joy and take my life away from me. And I was furious. Mm. But I could not have been joyful and been married to that person. Wow. Yeah. So that makes did, sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so when lots we do of people this, manifest. We do this. Mm-hmm. We do. Oh, gosh. We're complicated. <laughs> We and it We're all boils down to us. creatures. <laughs> we are. <laughs> we are oh. fanatics too. <laughs> oh God, yes. My hand is in the air on that. So yes, of course. Yeah. Well, Katrina, this has been. Wanted. Yeah, we want it the way we want it. Of course, yes. But Katrina, yeah. this has been such a wonderful evening. It flew by. I feel like this show just started, and here it's been ninety minutes of great conversation and. Of course, we always learn so much from you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Definitely. being on the show tonight. And we hope you feel better. You and Eric both continue to feel yes, better. Please. Yes, please. Yes. Oh, thank Definitely. you so much. Great. Thank you for great having me on, ladies. to have answers. Thank you. We're and always looking for answers, and you certainly had them for us. You thank do. You. All the time. Thank you, Katrina. Now, next week, everybody, we've got Don Oscar going to be on the show. Don Oscar from Peru. Hasn't been with us in a while, but he's joining us next week. Until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.